welcome to Cre- <laughs> Hello, welcome to Creative Block. I'm your host V. Um, Gene is out doing Q Bomb stuff, so definitely support his band Q Bomb and all the things they're putting out. They're working really hard on it. Uh, I am still doing the podcast while he's out and about. Uh, and I interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Alice Bissonnet. Hi! Hello! Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is so great. I've been wanting to have more French artists coming on Creative Block because um, France does have a workforce that participate in the American side of entertainment. Uh, and I think it's really great to have you because you've worked as an animator on Glitch Text and also storyboarded on Sing 2 and storyboarded on Arcane. So this is all super exciting. And I wanted to ask you about your career, how you became interested in art, if you always knew you wanted to go into animation and how did you decide to go to Goblin? Yeah, well, I always drew. Uh, I've always been drawing. That's I, I discovered recently that that's what people remember about me when I was in you know middle school and high school, and mm-hmm. I was always doodling. But at that time, I didn't think I could make a career out of it. I was really into manga and I discovered anime because I think in France anime anime and animation Japanese animation was distributed much more than in the US when I was a tween mm-hmm. and so I just like to do all like this I went on forums like all fan arts and deviant arts mm-hmm. and I saw those illustrators that were super good at it and I was just a baby before and mm-hmm. and I was in a high school where there were only two paths like you could become an engineer or a, a doctor but there was no other way so it was <laughs> very not even scientific but it's just that's what you do to become quote-unquote successful yeah and so I, I tried to go like this and I said oh maybe I can do something around I don't know airplanes or perfumes or science chemist or of some sort and mm. uh, but I was way too bad at math for that <laughs> did you did you um pick the scientific route in high yeah. school yeah um, I did. just for yeah just for our American audience it's um in in France uh in high school as soon as you hit um I think it's 11th uh yeah 11th grade you have to pick between three routes, which is either scientific, literary, or economic and social. And so usually, like, kind of, like, I would say the culture way of looking at this, it's like, science is the best. So all of the, all of the high school students are kind of pushed into going into science in 11th grade. It's, it's kind of like the commonly accepted way, I guess. But um. Yeah, so that makes sense that you were like, ah, chemistry, probably. And then when you go into 12th grade, you have to pick between mathematics, physics, and chemistry, or biology. Which one did you pick? Uh, I picked physics. Oh, nice. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It was 
I, I don't know in your high school, but in my high school, it was like the winner option. Like the, the math was for the nerds and biology That's was for so... people who wanted to be vets. That's so funny. In my high school, biology was the one that was like, boo. It was like, it was like, if, if you're, if you're really good, you're going to get into math. And I was like, I, my self-esteem was so bad that I was like, I can't do math. So, and, and I had a teacher in chemistry, chemistry and physics who was like, you can do this. You're, you're good at this. And I was like, oh, my heart. So I think <laughs> physics, and, <laughs> physics and chemistry, which, um, which was supposed to be like the second best option in my high school. Yeah, it, it, was, it was the same. It was, there, there was this very cruel joke about what do you do with a box when you're in either scientific, uh, economic or literary school section? Mm -hmm. It was like the, the scientific section creates and conceive the box the economic sell the box literary leave in the box it was very oh! it was so bad so cruel i can't believe i mean i i believe it actually <laughs> well you know well maybe we could talk about this a little later yeah but, um french culture it it's is very different in, in a sense um i mean i guess it's european culture overall than like american culture in terms of like yeah the <laughs> i guess the kind of jokes or like kind of how cynical it is I guess mm. uh <laughs> so you went so you took you went into physics and chemistry and yeah. when did you how did you hear about Goblin how did you kind of pursue that well um, did you have to convince your parents also like how kind, kind of I mean my parents were always very supportive and like my mom thinks that whatever I draw it's it's a piece of art a masterpiece mm -hmm. like like this beautiful cat it's beautiful if you're if you're listening on, on itunes or spotify uh definitely check out the youtube video alice is drawing an amazing cat it is a masterpiece it is it is <laughs> it, it's but um but they, they were afraid that i would i couldn't find a job if i would do Korean art but at that point I, I wouldn't believe myself that I could do a career in art but as I said I was following a lot of people on DeviantArt and uh, and on OrphanArt so I went to Japan Expo which is a huge mm -hmm. convention in France about Japanese animation and all the all of that stuff and I, I spent a lot of time in the in the fanzines area looking mm -hmm. at all the people those people who drew much better art than I did or as, at least that's what I thought and what I felt and I, I talked to people and one girl uh, who actually did Goblin uh, which her nickname was Nefila, I don't remember her actual name and uh, she, she told me, she looked at some of my drawings because I showed her and she said you know, I think you could do you, you could, you should try Goblin or animation I think you have a good style for animation and you should try this so she she put the seed in my brain that I could try this uh, and when I was in um, senior year I was still hesitating I was candidating to do physics uh, uh, physics mm. schools and on the right side of the door of my classroom there was a poster for uh, a physics school and on the left side I don't know why there was a poster for Goblin for the open the 
open place. Are you or, kidding no, me? No, I swear. And I was like, what, That's crazy. what? Where did that come from? And what is this? I remember it was it was a picture of the front side of the building of Gobelin, and there was a, there was a, a lock in front of it. It's like it's open right now. Go and visit us. So I went there, and I saw what they did, and it was witchcraft. And, and I said, that's so cool. That's like, you can do this. And, and I bought some, you know, student magazines about careers. And I, I saw that you could not only work in animation in France, but that it was quite okay, uh, salary speaking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like in the US right now, but it was, it was reassuring for my parents when I showed them. So I said, you're young, you can try for a few years and We'll see what comes out of it. Yeah, that's really funny. This is like a movie. Like, you know, there's you have like the two posters. That's that feels, you know, it really feels like a movie. <laughs> But when I saw what they did in, in Goblin, there there was no no question for me. It was like, okay, I, I yeah. And I think what helped is that I got refused from the physics school as well. They said yes. so, oh well, let's go draw some Mickeys and do some art and <laughs> we'll see. So I think it's something that's really funny because it is it is true that a lot of uh, people in France, like, I don't know why we say that, but we say like working in animation is like drawing Mickey as a like, <laughs> as a like, as, as the opposite of like fine art or like you would paint like a big canvas or whatever. But yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, like <laughs> it's something people say. Um, that's so interesting. How, how old were you when you got into Goblin? I was 19. So was it just right after high school? No, it was, I, I tried twice to get into Goblin. The first time, well, that's when I met you, actually. The first time I was, I tried the MK school, which is in the south of France, and I tried Goblin, mm -hmm. but I was not, I didn't have technical level to get into Goblin. And, but it was very interesting to try, even if I didn't have the level. Mm -hmm. and, and I tried another time and this time I got into I, I'm I'm a year younger than most of the people I graduated at 17 yeah I think I think uh it's something I I mean there was a moment on Tumblr a lot of people were asking about Goblin and like the tuition how to get in da, 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 da. I think uh it's very common for people to try at least twice to get in uh I've heard people also trying up to four to five times to get in But yeah, like I also tried twice before I was able to get in the school. Did you, um, what did you do during that year? Uh, so after I graduated from high school, I did one year of MANA. So it's, uh, I don't know the, the American equivalent, but it's to get level-based art formation at uh, Dupéré. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a, a Parisian public school. But what I didn't know, because I just really randomly picked a public school in Paris, like, okay, there are four, let's pick this one. And I, mm -hmm. I applied, I got in, and on the day, on the first day of school, they say, okay, it's welcome to the school that focuses on clothing and stylism. Oh, yeah, because all of these schools have, like, a different specialty. So yeah. uh, what... I forgot what MANA stands for. Is it's it, uh, a mise à niveau en art appliqué. Oh, okay. So they're basically, it's basically like um, applied arts. So kind of like arts and craft uh, school. So there's there's one that would be more geared towards like fashion and stylism, like the one that you went to. Yeah. But there's also one that's more like uh, specialized 
in uh, woodcraft or there's another one that's more specialized in I, th- I think is is there one like that's like more like pottery geared and stuff like that like kind of I don't remember what the first one because there's illustration at Estienne but uh... and there's also graphic design graphic yeah. design is a big one where like basically yeah you would be like designing for like packaging or websites or or, or um magazines yeah so, so it's kind of like so it is true that like when you don't no, at first you don't know that all of the different schools have like a different specialty. <laughs> um, that's really interesting. But fashion is cool, though. Did you did you like? Uh, it was it was of course. There's always something good to learn from this kind of uh, schools, and I I learned about color theory and and a lot of color history. But the mm. The people in the school, but I think it was specific to my class because I got a friend who did the same school one year later and she loved the year she spent there. But for me, it was, they, they saw me as the the weird person who wants to do animation because mm. they wanted to do what the school was specialized for. And I was like, no, I want to draw animation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do embroidery and or same mm-hmm. stuff so they they were kind of hostile towards me mm. and so it was a, a weird year but I learned a lot and I learned what I didn't want to do so that's good yeah yeah that's really awesome and uh, it, it, got, it got me the the space to really try weird stuff it was really really artistic like the stereotype of what you would think of an art school like they would burn shoes and say, oh, this is hot. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like fine art, like very yeah, fine, like, fine art. Conceptual. You you know, you you learn to yeah. push it your way through through the grade <laughs> to the through the grades. That's everything is on purpose. It's always an intention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. I was so disappointed when I kind of like realized that it was like you just have to just like write a big essay, but you have to write it well. But you have to like re- write a big essay to sell your like bullshit concept, I guess. So funny. Um, <laughs> so that's that was interesting, and and I I learned to draw on huge scale of paper. I always drew in just the range of my sketchbooks, and here they were giving me huge piece of paper to do something with it okay that was very interesting and that's the year I I tried Gobelin for the first time and I I failed and it was it was very interesting I knew at least I knew what I was expecting for the next time and I was still very young so Mm. I decided I didn't want to stay in that school because that that was not what I wanted to do so I went to Lisa which is a private school. And I did the first year of uh, 2D animation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to convince my parents for this one because it was a private school. So they had to put some money in it. So right, yeah. That was mm-hmm. a little bit hard to do. So what I did was I took them to the Gobelin opening doors and I showed them what was my goal. And they said, okay, you have one year of another school to try again and if you get in, mm. you get in. If you don't, do something or do something else. Back to physics, you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of that was kind of this like uh, one year or I mean I could have stayed in art school, but I would have I would 
basically I've had to find a way of financing it myself. Right. Which was yeah. fair. I mean, they were worried and whatever. But I got it. Yeah. So nice. It all worked out. Yeah, it's just pressure, <laughs> pure fear of going back to physics. I mean, honestly, it was kind of the same for me though. I was like, my dad was like, well, you know, um, you have one year to get into a good school. So I, I actually, I was, I, I, I wanted to get into Goublin, but I was like, if I get into any other school that will do as well, like MK or NSAD, NSAD is the school that Etienne and I were talking about in the, in the previous episode. Um, but yeah, like it was just like a, a single year to make it work or else, it's, you know, it's so funny um how did you so at the time that you attended Goblin it was only a, a three-year curriculum is that yes. right yes. yeah uh I think well I think you know a little bit more than I do about what Goblin is currently like uh I think we can kind of like talk about that real fast I think uh Goblin when I attended was like four thousand euros a year which is uh which is yeah really not bad but I feel like now they have two different sections is that what you're saying one for yes. French yeah one for French students and one for international students yes that's that's what uh I've gathered from what people who teach there now told me and what I've seen on the on the on their page so mm. yeah it's it's four years uh but I think you, you it's not for mandatory years you can join in the third year directly oh yeah so basically yeah so you have like two ways of like entering it's like you can either start from your one or if you have like industry experience of so come from another school you can also apply for the third year yeah uh yeah uh, mm. but there's the f the french speaking class and the international class where everything is in english do you know if they get uh different uh, uh teachers depending on uh like, for example, would the international class get strictly English speaking or do they also have like the, the, the French teachers except they just speak in English? Uh, I think <laughs> I, I can't vouch for every lesson, but from what I gathered, they try to have the same uh, teachers for both class. It's just at different times, but they try to have the same people coming in. Because that would be okay. super unfair if that wasn't the case. That's true. <laughs> uh, so they're they're trying to find English speaking people, and mm -hmm. which is another challenge because French people are not really fond of speaking English. Uh, uh, we're not so bad, but yeah, we we could do better. Yeah, but um, I mean, yeah. I mean <laughs> now it's getting better. But tr try to find a forty years old. French animator who's okay to speak English two weeks straight. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. But but they but they have good they have good they have good people they they have good good and interesting people still. I think I think they still work a lot to get very interesting teachers mm. and committed teachers. So that's good. It's just that uh, yeah. it's uh, and it's not only that it's four years now it's that the the classes are they have more people in it like when we were yeah. there it was 25 up to 28 in third year and now it's minimum 30 and it can go up to 35 and since they have twice 
the amount of classes. So it's 70 people per year. Interesting. It's still not that much. 70 people yeah. counting. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when we attended, it was only 25 a year. How did you like um, how did you like studying in Goblin? Can I, how was it for you uh, finding your first gig? Well, Goblin was very, very interesting. Uh, it was hard for some reasons, for many reasons actually, but it, it was hard, but I learned so much and I met people from a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, artistic or not so it was really really cool on that point uh i got my my level in animation got super high quite fast and i i like having you know structure when i'm learning so i i understand that it's not for everyone but that's what i was looking for and that's what i got from the school so I was not disappointed in this and directing short films in team clearly prepared me for working in a studio. Uh, mm. So that was really great. I started living on my own as well in Paris when I was in Goblin. So it was starting to become a grown up, I guess. Yeah, you were a real <laughs> adult. <laughs> Of. <laughs> it is kind of it's kind of funny when you think about it because it is true that like when when you do move to Paris to be a student uh you're only like I don't know 19 barely 20 and it's like in this big city where like a ton of stuff is happening all the time and yeah it can be a little I don't know I didn't for me it wasn't really scary but I could see how for I don't know someone who's a who comes you know who's to leave like all their friends and their family and mm. just being on their own that can be like a little a lot yeah it was it, i didn't have like a big uh cultural reset or so or anything because i lived in the suburbs of paris of my life so it wasn't oh, okay. like moving nice. to the big city but right. i was living on my own for the first time uh i had a roommate but i was uh, I did. I wasn't with my parents, and I had to deal with how do you organize the budget? How do you, yeah? How do you feed yourself every day? At the, and don't forget mm -hmm. to drink water or basic stuff, surviving stuff. And I mean, <laughs> I, I knew how to cook or stuff like that. It's not that I didn't know how to, yeah, basic things, but it was more scheduling everything. And that's so true. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, because because the thing is, like, Goblin doesn't have a campus like um, like colleges here in the U.S. So it's 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 more similar to what a an East Coast university would be like, or like I guess in New York, where you have like the building and then you have your apartment and then you have to like commute and like do you know uh, like it's not this big spread campus. Uh, yeah, how was how was uh what was your first gig and how did you go about finding it? Um. What was my first gig? Oh yeah, uh, my first gig was storyboard for a short uh, series for children. The, it was called Kobushi, and it was about sushi, samurai sushi. 
That is so funny. Yeah, I remember this. We went, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first gig as well. Wow, Kobushi bringing all the talents. Uh, uh, just for people listening, Kobushi is the very first TV show that Zach Toom, uh, the studio producing Miraculous Ladybug, uh, made. So it, it was it was very tiny. It was a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, budget and crew, but... I learned a lot. How did you, do you feel like you learned a bunch on the yeah, show? Yeah, so, well? so did just... I, so did I. It was, well, first of all, I learned how to use Storyboard Pro. So thanks. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Nicola, <laughs> for teaching us this. Nicola is great. I should get him on the podcast eventually. He's, he's like so creative, knows a ton, and is a mastermind of economical animation. So, so much energy and it's super nice and always we are very patient and very willing to give uh, young animators and artists a chance. So yeah, it was very yeah. I learned, I learned, I learned a lot. I don't know. I don't remember how many how much time I stayed on this projection. Quite a lot, almost a year, I think. And mm-hmm. the the series in itself was meh, but the the team was great and and it was very formative. Yeah, it was nice and it was. The, the animation was done uh, outside of the country, so I learned as well how to communicate with, with studios that are speaking another language. And there's always this sort of lost in translation information when you send storyboards and you figure out that, oh, I have to be more clear about what I draw, what I do, and what it yeah. means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a huge part of storyboards. They're basically a blueprint for overseas studios. And you not only have the draw, do you have to have very clear drawings, but you also have to, um, in, in the action notes, well, depending on the show that you're working on, sometimes like people are more lenient with action notes, but um, on Kobushi, we were writing our own action notes and you have to use very simple language and make sure that it will translate well, that people will get it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember, especially doing walk cycles and stuff like that. And if you didn't specify that you would want someone to walk in, they would just slide the model right through the screen with no animation. That is, yeah, <laughs> so true. That is so true. It's something that you don't and you don't think, think about. Yeah, you don't think about yeah. it. Like, yeah, of course, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. That's so true. After um after Kobushi, so I know that you worked on a on a bunch of shows. You worked on both CG and 2D shows. Uh, what are what would you say are the differences between working on a 2D show and a CG show? Uh, do you have a favorite? Uh, I don't think I have a favorite because both have interesting ways of dealing with storytelling and how you showcase stuff. So I think. The main difference for me is that usually in 3D series, at least I'm not speaking about Arcane because they had much more budget than any other series. That's not a secret. Uh, Mm. But other 3D series, they still have more budget than 2D series. So you can afford more things, but you have to Mm. be very careful about us limitations as well but you can do camera movements and you can afford yourself to go a little bit more crazy about how you put your characters and and you know that in 3d you're gonna have banks of animation about walking running and 
things that are not too hard to reuse. Mm. Uh, but in 2D, it's more economical, but that's more challenging as well. So I like that it's about being creative and like, okay, we can't do that. Well, let's figure out a way of doing it more efficiently or for cheaper. But, uh, mm. but that works as well. So that, for example, on a on a three D series I worked on at Timto, we could do a lot of crazy cartoonish actings, which was fun. But on the other mm -hmm. hand, I had an episode that was only about a flood and water everywhere, and they told <gasps> no, and the, and the, that's the worst and, thing to do in three D. And they told me, <laughs> okay, so we have a problem because. Uh, the channel has greenlit this episode, but we can't show water on the screen. So everything has to be off screen. It's just about no. suggestion. Like, okay. It's oh. going to be great. It's going to be, a, yeah. That is crazy. I, I, I have no idea how the episode turned out in the end, but it was oh. hard. Was it for Angelo? Was it for Angelo? No, it was for uh, My Night and Me. Oh wow! No, uh, Ma yeah, Max Maleo wouldn't have let that pass through him. I think. He yeah, was a director yeah, yeah. on the on Angelo when I was working on it, and no, he would have said no. He would have said that's not. Oh happening. my god! Yeah, because um, also a quick thing is like um, the director in when people talk about directors in France, um, a director is closer to what a supervising director would be doing in America. So, um, or a showrunner. Yeah. Like being a director on a French TV show is a little bit in between uh, um, a showrunner, so an executive producer and a supervising director. Uh, but yeah, so that that's why like someone like Max could have uh, kicked back an epi a script and said like, no, we're not doing this script. <laughs> That's so interesting. Holy moly. Oh my God. How is, uh, work, how is it like working like on Angelo? Because Angelo is airing on Cartoon Network, I think. Oh, is it? I think, uh, I think so. I don't know. It's like Cartoon Network US or is it Cartoon Network Angelo? Uh, is it Team Angelo in English? Uh, don't know. Angelo Rules, I think. Yeah, Angelo Rules airs on Cartoon Network in over 152 countries. It's in the U.S. and premiered on January 2010. Yeah, well, that, that honestly, it was very fun. It was. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the aesthetic of the series, to be honest. Uh, I think it's. It does look a little. It, I mean, it looks like a 2010 cartoon. It, you know it, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's so. It, it was great in 2010, but it's still running, and they're still doing new new seasons now, and it hasn't really evolved. So that's what I I'm a bit sad about. But this the the humor is very fun. I I had a lot of fun storyboarding on this series. We we were allowed we had a lot of leeway on how we could do gags and even suggest some. So that was very fun. The the director Max was very open and very yeah he, he wasn't protecting stuff like no I want this this way was always open about suggestions and to me uh, Angelo made me think a little bit about Malcolm in the middle but for younger oh, yes. audience it's exactly it's the, it's the same level of stupidity 
mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but in a in a nice way it's it's just always uh reacting uh, on a, about a situation you just choose the much over the top reaction you could think of and that's how it goes so it was very fun i did a one episode about uh a sort of ai and about uh, and sort of alexa device in the house and it, it was so crazy i had the most fun on this <laughs> episode i think do you remember if the writers were french or american i think it depends on the seasons i think on the on the second season it was mostly french but i think on the third it was a mix of a half and half oh interesting yeah. yeah this is also something uh that i like in 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 the french animation industry we do have a lot of uh mostly like french writers but it does happen that sometimes if it's a co-production between a french studio and an american network that they will uh bring in american talents to write on the show Uh, which is kind of interesting or like Canadian as well when there's like a Canadian co-production um, like we'll have like Canadian writers to to do half of the episodes that is so fine uh, I think it, yeah it's really interesting that you mentioned that that like the Malcolm in the Middle uh, thing because I do think family you know like suburban type family like you know cartoon about a family they usually do really well and I think that's why they're still like running for yeah for like season What season are they on? Do you know? I think they're starting on season five or six. Season five. Five or six. Wow. Because they had a break during the pandemic. So I think it's five. But yeah. Wow. That's very cool. Do you remember kind of how the crew was on Angelo? Was it, um, did, did you guys have, How many storyboard artists did you guys have? Directors? Did you have a supervising director? Uh, uh, well, we only had we had uh, we had so the, the the main director, so most equivalent to a showrunner who was Max, and then we had a head of storyboard, but okay. uh, there was no in between. Okay. And I think we were, yeah, I think we were like three to five story artists and one story head of story. And we were working on, we had one episode per story artist, except for the specials, which were longer. So we were working two story artists for one special. Mm. How long is a, how long it, um, what was the running time for an episode? And kind of like, how many pages would you get for how long would you have to, to storyboard the full episode? Uh, and, and general episodes were 11 minutes and a half. Mm-hmm. And we would have five, wait, was it four or five? I want to say four, four weeks, four working weeks, so 20 days mm. to finish the episode. So thumbnails, clean up, and we had to do the, a pre-animatic as well, so we had to time it. And most of the time it was longer, the, the animatic would go for 13 or 14 minutes because the script was always too long and then they would edit it right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's usually the case we usually scripts usually run a little long like usually the thing is like it's supposed to be a page a minute um but it's, never- it's yeah it's usually we get like for an 11 minute it's very rare to get 11 pages usually you'll get something more like 15 pages but uh we were uh, it was the thing that was 
bad, I mean, that was not really legal, was that we were paid for, you know, a, a forfait. So Oh, yeah. So you're basically paid to the task, which, yeah. it, which means that instead of being hired by a studio, like in the US, for example, they tell you, okay, you're going to be hired to work for a year on this show. Uh, in France, it's unfortunately very common that studios will hire a storyboard artist for a storyboard, which means that they'll hire you, they'll pay, they'll pay you only for the four weeks but they still expect you to turn in the storyboard. So if yeah. you ever go over, which means that if you if you need five weeks, because I don't know, something happened in your life. I don't know, you have to go to a funeral or something. I'm going full drama here. <laughs> but um, like, you have to take time. Well, the producers didn't count well. And <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is that like, you're still getting paid only for the four yeah. weeks, no matter how much time you have to take off. So yeah. Uh, that that's what we mean it's it's kind of like freelancing basically in that sense but unfortunately productions are run that way so which also means that if you want to if if you want to hop off the show if you're like i don't really like working on this show it's fine after one episode you yeah. can just be like actually i'm done but that also means that if the studio is not happy with your work they could be like well that was great to have you all right well you don't have to come back in yeah uh, after one episode so you don't really it's very there's very there the stability there is a moral contract but it's it's not very um us uh, like you're not legally protected i guess no that that's the problem is that usually they would say okay we're hiring you for let's say i don't know six episodes but they they have they can just fire you after the second or the first or the third and you never know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and you're if you if you go out of the schedule, you're not paid, but they're expecting you to finish it. And and most of the times, they know that you can't fit what they're asking of you in the time they allow you. So, but we're yeah. right now, since a few years, story artists are really fighting this system because that's not a good system. And it's more, more studios are going into the legal way of paying you every day you work, which should be the basis. Oh, that's right. I remember just around the time that I left, it was starting to become a little more common that people would pay you by the day. Yeah. So you would have like, yeah, 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 yeah. So you would have like a, a weekly salary yeah. instead of, uh, I mean, in France, you get paid at the end of the month. <laughs> in, in the US, you get paid every week. Uh, in France, you get paid at the end of the month. Uh, but, I, but what you get at the end of the month would equal what you would make for every week that you worked. Mm. Yeah, um, that's cool. Uh, when did you, when did you get your first gig in feature? And oh, and was that before or after Glitch Text? Uh, it was before. Um, mm. So in 2016, I did a training at Ardman. Mm -hmm. It was great. Oh, that's very cool. What project? Yeah. What, what did you train on? I trained on Early Man. So it, I know it didn't perform that well because there wasn't a lot of advertisement for this movie, but it was very, very interesting. And I unlearned a lot of um, habits that I got from working on series because uh, mm. and working on series, I knew how to be fast 
and how to be effective and efficient. It was mm. like, okay, I got this. I got. I don't have a lot of time. So first ID that comes is the ID that stays in the in the board. So mm -hmm. it's just working fast and good. But here it was. There was much more room for trying things, and my mentors uh, were very, very patient and very good at showing me that okay you don't have to pressure yourself and perform that fast you can take your time and I, the first script I got there was a moment in the script where it was written something fun happens and at first I was super annoyed like that's not my job to find a, a, a gag I don't have time for this shit that, that, what, what should I do I'm not a funny person and, and they said it's it, it's actually fun to find some gags and when i realized that okay i have time to think about something and it was very freeing for me and i realized mm -hmm. that okay i can be fun and actually i have some ideas that can be very nice to suggest and i i realized that okay i'm not just a doer and i can and embrace the more i wouldn't say directing side of storyboarding but the, the artistic side at least yeah and, like the more creative because yeah. you're not you're not just a wrist executing ideas mm -hmm. anymore now you have time yeah, to exactly. actually think about it yeah 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 that's so great. so I was doing that and I stayed a little more than two months in in Bristol working for for Anman and then I got a gig working on Petit Vampire by Joanne Sfar so oh yeah by the way if anyone listening to the podcast is into french comics uh, jo uh joan spa i guess joan Spar, if i was to pronounce it with i guess american accent um he uh he's one of the he's a very prolific and very big uh comic artist in from i would say like a new wave of comics in in france uh he he studied uh philosophy so his comics often deal with like uh kind of broader themes about like i don't know like human condition or i guess stuff like that you would say like yeah. i guess Petit Vampire is like his kid's version of that because you know as there's a little bit of that going on into Petit Vampire right yeah it's, it's about like death and dealing with uh the loss of a parent and Dealing about what is what does it mean to be alive and yeah, having yeah, yeah. a family and finding friends. Almost all his works are autobiographic in a way or another. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's very um, like it, it's very personal, uh, but in a in a in a very sweet way. I feel like he kind of fits in this kind of French uh, legacy of. A tours like uh, Saint-Exupéry, who's like the, the Little Prince author. It's kind of like that type of uh, vibe. Yeah, and it was, the team was wonderful on Petit Vampire. Uh, I'm not quite happy about what I did on Storyboard on Petit Vampire because I came back from Bristol thinking, yay, I, I can create stuff and I can suggest stuff and this is nice I'm a whole new person and then bam <laughs> on Petit Vampire it was the opposite because Joanne has a very straight vision of what he wants uh, mm -hmm. because it, it was an adaptation of his 
comic books. Comic, yeah. So he, he arrived at the studio with thumbnails already done. And it's like, I want this. And I don't want one more drawing about this. I just want to see my drawings cleaned up. So mm. it was more hand drawing what they want you to draw. So. I think it's very true that it's like this a tour perspective where it's like it's almost like if you're like if it's it's more similar to like you know working on like a manga where like the mangaka does all the pencils and writes yeah. all the story and does everything and then the assistants are like cleaning up the drawings <laughs> and like making everything pretty it's kind of more like that yeah, it was very than... much like that yeah but it was a, it uh, was a feature film so we had time to work and the the, the team was amazing so I'm not regretting anything at all. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I just think it's like, no, I just, I just like to mention that because it's very interesting how projects are so dependent on the person, on the leadership. So if you have a leader who has a very, very specific idea, well, sometimes I think that's freeing because you're not iterating again and again and again and again. You, you know what you have to do. And it's very straightforward. And it's more about craft and draftsmanship and then you have the leaders that are like well you guys just like I want to know what you're thinking and then when that happens it's a lot more of like iterating pitching stuff like breaking everything down and like you know like throwing things away and like starting uh, from scratch again like that so it's like depending yeah depending on leadership you have very different um so styles of project really that's really cool. How long was that? How long was that? Uh, I think it was a little more than a year. Yeah, a year and a month on the Petit Vampire. Mm. Yeah, that's that's great. And then, uh, then I got to work on Glitch Text as an animator. So I got back to yeah. Animating. How was that? Yeah, uh, it was it was great. It was very refreshing from storyboarding. Um, I uh, I went into this gig with a lot of doubt about can I animate? Like, mm-hmm. Do I know how to do this? How, uh, I, I was the, the, the dog meme with physics, in, chemistry instruments. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that was exactly this. And and moreover, because we we worked on Toon Harmony and we, we got a, uh, two weeks of formation on the soft. Uh, which was mm-hmm. great because it was it was a, a paid uh, instru- sort of mentorship, and it was just mm. the whole team that would start two weeks later. So we got to know each other through this these two weeks of learning the soft. So that, that was yeah. great. It was ten people not knowing how to use a soft and going like, "Yeah, yeah, we got this. We got this." Wait, well. <laughs> were you guys only 10 animators on Glitch at, at first, yeah, but then they hired many more. Okay, because I was like, there's no, <laughs> no way no, 10 no, people no. can animate a whole show. No, no, no. <laughs> it was just the first batch. It was, uh, and then at least 12 more came in. And I left, how many months did I stay? I think I left six or seven months after I started. And after, after I left, I kept hiring more and there was another studio overseas that did uh, a bit of in-betweening I think and Mm. and cleaning up so yeah I think at max we were like 30 30 40 
30. That's not that much. That's really not that much. Were you guys doing uh, rough animation? Were you doing key animation, would you say? Or We were doing uh, layout posing animation and on some shots it was only key animation because they would do puppets so it would be done by someone else but on on the traditional animation shots we were doing everything mm. and uh, wow. yeah. that's yeah it was as uh, it was a very fun team the uh, that's where I met my current boyfriend so mm. I have fond memories of this production oh, that's really <laughs> great how long how long would you say, can you describe the quotas a little bit? Oh, yeah. Would you, like, how long did you have to do a, a shot and, you know, kind of how did they go about the workload? So let me remember it correctly. I think it was like three seconds per day. Uh, okay. six, either six seconds of rough anim or three seconds of cleanup per day. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first, it was just we were doing shots in chronological order, but they realized that that was not the best way of doing things. So we just split the shots between the hardest one to animate or the money shots, if you could call them like this, and the ones that were that needed less attention. And Mm -hmm. so there were like the Sakuga shots that were given to. Uh, the best animators and then the, the, the easiest one if you could say uh, that were you had so the quotas were not the same depending on what you were working on actually it depended if it was mm-hmm. a a very yeah sakuga ac- action shot they would have more time to do it because it was an important one and right. the other way around as well that's very and cool. the, the 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 directors and the showrunners came at least three times, I think, at Studio Song. So they were very present, which was very enjoyable. Because oh, so you guys ended up being at Studio Song. Yeah. You guys weren't at Xilam. No, I remember they um there was a, a talk about like getting Xilam. Uh, uh, but okay, very very interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, really yeah, it cool. was done at Studio Song. But they did a test at Xilam, uh, mm-hmm. but. Uh, from what I gathered, the budget that they couldn't get uh, an uh, an accord in accordance on the budget, mm-hmm. so they ended up with studio song. So the animation was made in studio song. Mm-hmm. Uh, studio song, also known as Studio One Hundred, yeah. <laughs> for Americans thinking in, thinking in um, French, like yeah, studio song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really that's really cool wow I'm, I'm so glad that they paid for training for you guys yeah I think this is something that's really hard now in animation there's so many softwares to learn like literally I am working on a show that uh we storyboard in blender Yay! and <laughs> I know right um but fortunately for us we were trained to oh, learn that's so blender, great that's so, so nice oh yeah yeah, that that was like a, a major a major selling point for <laughs> for me because I was like, yes, please. <laughs> um, really, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, softwares are like there's always new softwares. Every company is gonna do a big push for their softwares to be used by a lot of people. Animation employs a lot of people, so definitely, 
that's that's really that's really cool. After and after animating for Glitch Tech, what what did you work on? Uh, what did I work on after? Oh yeah, so I took a quite big break or of five months. Uh, I I mm -hmm. went to Japan because why not? Just for yeah. Like, Where, did you spend five months in Japan? No 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 no. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just went. I went for a week visiting friends who were working there, and. And then I came back and I worked on a personal project, which I'm still working on. And is it? Can you talk about well, it a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it, it, a it is a short film. It almost it's almost a clip. It's a short a short film, uh, an adapt an adaptation of a poem by Brenna Tuowi. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's uh, uh, I, I I talked with her by email and she gave me the the rights to work on the adaptation and I'm currently looking for producers, so it's a very yeah. cool. If a producer is listening, <laughs> yeah, if you hit up if Alice. you want to produce yeah. a, a three point forty minutes, so yeah, three three to four minutes of a of really beautiful two D animation, contact me. So I worked on this, and then I got a call to work on the the show Stinky Dog, which is Chimpouri in French. And mm -hmm. uh, so I did layout posing there. That's cool that they're still doing layout posing. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 this series looks like it's only puppet, but it's not. There's a lot of 2D animation, traditional Holy cow, it looks amazing. It's super so I was not aware about yeah, I was not aware of this production, but uh if you guys are listening, this looks a lot like a uh, Ernest and Celestine. Uh I say that because people who are familiar with French animation usually know Ernest and Celestine. It was done in the same studio as so. Ernest and Celestine. <laughs> so So beautiful. It's a TV it show. Is. Yeah. Holy moly. This is yeah. I, I really I, I hope they do a, a feature film. It should, they should because it's so cute. Oh my gosh, and it's Marc yeah. Boutavant who is part of the writers. He is an amazing artist. Such a like his illustrations are so cute. Uh, yeah, he he was also the um, a tour of um, ah, with the little bear. Oh, jeez, um, what's the name? Mook. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're looking to if you want to kind of look into. French preschool animation. Mook is so beautiful. It's really, really amazing. Wow. So cool. How long was that? Uh, and was this some TV painting? Uh, no, it was on Harmony. Uh, it was on Toon Boom Harmony. Harmony, yeah. okay. Um, mm. It's so, yeah, I forgot that between this and, and Glitch Text, I did a really short gig for the feature film Fireheart. And it, it, it was in a, the film was made in Montreal and I, I worked on, a, a f on re remotely from, uh, from Paris. And I remember at the time I said, oh, I hate this. I don't want to work from home ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the, the funding happened. <laughs> and, uh, ironic. <laughs> but, so <laughs> I worked for nine months on Champoui and Stinky Dog. Let me see if I can. Stinky dog. Let me let me Google it, just so people. Uh, okay, if you Google Stinky Dog animated series. I don't know if there's uh, an English version, but the French version, the 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 voice actors are awesome. It was very very fun. There is a. 
there's a TV series trailer, so you guys can definitely check it out. So cute. I love this. I love, yeah. It um, was, uh, wow. it was an, yeah. an amazing experience. I, I came back from working. I, so I had, I had done some gigs as story artists between, and then I realized I came into this studio with crazy animators and very, very welcoming people. Honestly, Folivari and Faust was my my best experience on a production because yeah. Oh really? That's great to 100% know. Hundred percent would recommend. If you guys are listening on the on iTunes or uh, Spotify, check out the YouTube video to get a little glimpse of uh, Chien Pourri on because uh, I just imported an image on the Jamboard. Uh, else, you can just Google Stinky Dog animated series and you'll find the the, so, the series so worked so well that they did uh you know like an, uh, an ova they, they put four or five episodes together and they displayed it in cinema in theaters oh that's so cool so you guys got yeah. a theatrical release yeah. that is that is awesome i love that oh, so good so good um i'm so glad that it was also a good experience how was uh i like to talk technical details yeah. also uh, so if you can because layout has been disappearing as a craft so i'd love to know a little bit if you can explain what layout posing is for our audience and if you can explain uh if you can tell us a little bit like what was the the what were the quotas like yeah kind of you know all well that so everything on the stinky dog was made in France, so that was really nice as well because uh, oh, yeah, even the animation, animation compositing everything. Um, mm. So the layout, the layout posing on the series. So we got story. We had the storyboards imported in, in Toon Boom Harmony, so we would see what the framing was, and it was a hybrid hybrid production. There were some puppets on the close-ups. And on all the full body shots, it was traditional animation. Uh, and we, well, we draw, we, we take the storyboard and we draw the posing, the, the kind of like the keyframes, but not all the keyframes of an animation, only the one that mm. matter in a term of where does the character moves and go and what are the extremes, extreme posings. Yeah, so basically it all looks yeah. good in the shot, right? Yeah. For the composition. Yeah. And that and that the, the character scales yeah. properly with perspective. Yeah, like put in the put them in the perspective, put them in the right scale according to the background. So and yeah, put, put them, them on model. model. Mm. Uh prepare all the layers and the and the templates so the animator has everything ready when they start working on it. And mm. and when we when it was puppet, we would prepare the puppets as well. So we we import the puppet and we make sure they are the right size and it's the right puppets because there were many versions of the same character. Oh yeah, yeah, that's something that's very that's really interesting too. We haven't really mentioned like the nitty gritty of animation, but I guess depending on the emotion or what the character is doing, you're going to use. Yeah, a different there puppet. was different riggings and since on this show mm. you know there's a lot of texture in the brush and everything there were different scales of the same puppets so mm. don't, don't mess up mm -hmm. with the scale and the brush 
because it happened a lot and we would have to prepare as well the um, like the the areas of like for the cats the the mouse area which is white so we would prepare all the the zones for the coloring afterwise so the animators mm. wouldn't have to so the i think the animators would not draw over all the the color free zones but there was a cleanup mm -hmm. artist that would do it and would prepare for the and it was very it was a very fun production because you see their legs especially for the cat it's just sticks yeah those so, sticks so cute so, and, and and they were really insisting on us doing kind of a messy job going like this is a leg and this is a leg and that's it like don't do pretty beautiful thing no it has to be like this <laughs> so it was fun Ah, uh, that's nice. Like little sticks. You 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 had to draw them like sticks. Don't draw the paws. Yeah. Stick to the stick. <laughs> but, but yeah, anatomically correct sticks. <laughs> I love that anatomically correct sticks. And the, the 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 ears of Stinky Dog were kind of tricky to get because it, you had to go like this, and there was a specific science to get the right messy like brushy messy hair oh interesting but it, it was it was very it was a very nice the the, the kuras were strict but not too much mm -hmm. uh, everything was doable uh, i didn't feel pressured like oh no i can't do this that's that's too hard it was uh, of course at the end of an episode it's always crunch time but not like unhealthy crunch time it's just okay today you don't take three coffee breaks <laughs> yeah yeah i feel that <laughs> you focus more yeah that's i think that's the hardest thing uh you know like sometimes you have a bad day and you're not focused at all and you're like well we gotta work twice as hard the next day yeah <laughs> oh is that the plushie yeah oh my gosh that's very and cute. they're so soft I'm so but glad you got you guys got merch. Two. Oh yeah. No, we I mean we we didn't get for ourselves with my mom bought two. No, but I mean like the the show got merch as in like as in like you know a lot of shows usually don't get merch. And it's working very well. I see them in a lot of children shop. Really? So it's quite popular. Yeah, but the the book the books are well known and I think they're they're doing some educational stuff with with Stinky Dog as well. There's a there's a big map of Paris, but it's it's a funny map, mm. so it it has some weird anecdotes about the town, and it's from the from a dog's point of view, so it's super cute, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a very nice show. It was a nice show to work on, but as well, uh, I'm I'm proud of having worked on this. Yeah, so it's all all good for this show. That's great. Do you? Um... How long after that did you get to work? Uh, well, uh, what was kind of like the timeline between this working on on Sing Two? Well, I worked on Sing Two right after that. Oh, uh, nice! I, actually, the the production on Stinky Dog wasn't finished, mm -hmm. but I got recommended for for working on Sing Two by uh, by a friend and colleague uh, and a former classmate uh, in Goblin. It was Sandrine Hanjingkwang. Oh yeah, and so she, I'd love to get her on the show eventually. She she's so good, she's so, so good. talented, mm -hmm. and she I think she she was working at McGuff on Sing Two, and she said okay, no not on Sing Two, but she was working at McGuff, 
and she 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 wanted to focus on her comic book so mm. she left and she said well you know you can contact you can contact Alice she's she's a story artist go and trust her and so they trusted me and I got the gig and I'm very thankful to her because it it opened the door to work on feature film again mm-hmm. and on storyboard as well because I was starting to only get offers for animation which I like doing but my main focus is storyboard so that was I great. think that's something that's very true I feel like in in the American industry as well is like it's very easy for people to put you in a box and it's it's actually not that easy to navigate between a craft to another it's hard yeah and I think that's what's so interesting about your career is that you were able able to do both storyboards and animation even though it sounds like it, it it was hard at times but yeah I think it's it's very cool that you were able to navigate between the two and kind of like signaling to your colleagues, like, hey, I want to get back into boards. <laughs> so they like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I did do that. At first, when, when I was younger, I wouldn't dare. I was just taking what was offered. Uh, and then I said, okay, but I, I want to do board. I, I want, in the end, in the long term, I think I want to direct something or mm-hmm. do, do more directions. Mm-hmm. And when I left Folivari, I really insisted to my head of production and I said okay it was awesome working on Champoui on Stinky Dog but remember I'm a story artist so call me when you need story artists don't just call me if you need posing artists Mm -hmm. that's not my not even my priority but that's I think I excel more in storyboard than in animation yeah, I know what you mean that's one of the big reasons why I went to storyboard was like I was like I'm 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 not a shit animator, but I'm not like the best animator. Like, especially yeah, when you, yeah. you look at your colleagues and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> they, they get, I turn around and I see my boyfriend and I'm like, oh, why should I do what he does? He does it better and faster. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to throw some stories. That's my, my, my shit. That's what I do. That's exactly. Oh my gosh. And how is it working so, on Sing 2? Because Sing 2 just came out. So I don't know if people yeah. have like seen it, but... Um, Go watch it. It's nice. And it's, I really enjoyed Sing, the first movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't sin- seen Sing 2 yet, but the, fr- the first Sing was just so fun. The designs are great. Mm. The story is just, honestly, I I was surprised. There's like some twists that you don't expect. Like, it's just always kind of, it's just a fun movie. It's a really fun it, movie. It is. And and there, there are a lot of characters and you still manage to remember what's happening to everyone. Which is a challenge because in the first one there are like six, seven or eight main characters. Yes, mm-hmm. they, they, everyone gets an arc and gets a closure. So that's then they managed to do something very very good with the first one, and they did a very good thing with the second one. There are even more characters, and we still managed to get something out of everyone so yeah like care about them and and like actually root for them and and their story that's really cool yeah Yeah. it was uh when I joined the project there uh, I joined the project on there was only uh, already the first arc of the film done and they were kind of finishing it the second arc so I joined for the third arc well, in the end, they, they rewrote most of the second arc, so I worked on this as well. Mm. But, uh, so when I arrived, there was already a big animatic ready for me, 
-hmm. and it was already looking very good and it was uh it was really i when i joined my gov everybody told me okay so you know you're working for big american production so you know you won't have all the creative income you may want to put into the film they're gonna ask you to do things a specific way and blah 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 and honestly it wasn't the case I could suggest a lot of things and I had a lot of freedom and I think uh, Gus Jennings is a wonderful director and is extra fun to work with but has a lot of amazing ideas mm. and he, he, he puts you at ease with the project and gives you a lot of yeah a lot of freedom and it says okay so that's that's the sequence but you know suggest stuff and feel free to say what you want and it's not just a way of speaking like you can really say if something is bothering you like that that's weird that, that this this phrase doesn't work with the character or stuff like that he is always open to discussion and to uh, what he wants is to produce a good movie and it does what it is needed to be done to do so so that was great I think that's really true what you say about like sometimes you do have to figure out if someone really mean it when they say oh I want to know your opinion and and what you think and I want you to pitch ideas it's good that um because sometimes people will say it just to kind of you know to kind of have the atmosphere and be like yeah like you know but um But in some cases, you kind of have to read between the lines and kind of know if like, mm. okay, can I actually pitch something here? Uh, so it's really amazing to hear that um, Garth being very open and collaborative. That's like the dream, right? Yeah, um, that's, mm -hmm. that's really awesome. I, I, I love to hear that. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. And it was the first time I worked on a kind of, triple a production yeah 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 and to 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 jump back on the the water and the flood scene in the series well here <laughs> i had a sequence where they fall into a swimming pool and it was my first sequence and uh and i was like oh i don't know i know it costs a lot to put water so you know i framed it like this and this so it's easier and and then the director arrives and says no you do what you want put more water I don't care do what you want we want a crowd put a crowd They're like oh okay okay and that's a lot of budget okay cool so that's what it, it kind of puts you you have creative and budgetary freedom which yes. is super rare and it's it's great to have this experience at least once in your career so you you're like okay I can do anything so that's that frees you from a lot of puzzles you have to fix in the in other gigs yeah that's very true but you don't have to get you mustn't get used to this because that's not how like 90% of the industry works but <laughs> but it was nice yeah Unless you have a career in future, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, great. but but even I mean, right now I'm working on a French feature film, but it's 2D, and and at least twice a week we hear, oh no, that's too expensive. Let's not do that. No, we cannot oh, afford. No. Can you can you talk about the project? 
uh i can say the name it's it's a temporary mm -hmm. name it's uh, the metaphysic des tubes it's an adaptation oh. from uh, amelie notom's book yeah i remember that i remember seeing that that's so interesting i think it's my favorite book of hers uh so uh, um, uh how how would i pronounce this with an american accent uh amelie amelie no tom i guess yeah um she, she she's a, a belgian uh author right yeah i think yeah she's a belgian author she's very very big in the uh french speaking countries i guess yeah um and metaphysique de tube is her is her autobio of when she was a, a child in japan so uh, yeah exactly i think there's like there's been a couple of pictures out. It looks really cool. Yeah, there, there's a there's a teaser pilot as well on Vimeo. I think it would be the metaphysics of like of tubes. Yeah, if you would. Um, uh, I think that it's a it's a work in progress title. They're they're working on the different. Oh, so they might they might call it something different. Yeah, they might just, call oh, it yeah. just Amelie or I don't know. Uh, Amelie uh, would be kind of bumping against uh, Amelie from uh, yeah, that, like live action. <laughs> that's why they're, they're not sure yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna import a. Uh, I'm gonna import a. Uh, uh, a picture of it. It's really cool because it, it is a. Because it's, it's, it's so a beautiful. Woman, uh, 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 it would be an, a woman of autobio, and it's like it's a woman's like journey and stuff so i think that would be really awesome to have something like that uh, yeah it's directed by lian shuan and it's uh it's his first first feature but he worked on long way north and uh, calamity as well oh yeah 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 those are great Gee, um back to sing really fast yeah and, yeah like, how how was the uh how was the timeline between wrapping up with uh sing two and arcane oh and, like did yeah, Arcane was before actually. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, before. It was before. So interesting. Yeah. Well, Arcane has been going for a long time. Uh, oh, can you say when you started on the show? Okay, so I started on Arcane uh, in July 2017. July 2017. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, how long were you on the show? If Eight months. Say? Eight months. Very cool. It was. Uh, I, I was on season one. Season one. Nice. Um, what can you say? Maybe like what softwares were you using? Uh, yeah, we were working on TV Paint. Very cool. At least when Very cool. when I was on the production, that's what we used. But I think it that mm. didn't change. Uh, can you, like can you say how how the teams were or like kind of like. Uh, how many people were working in boards or uh when i was there we were still a small team i think it changed a lot after i left mm -hmm. uh but when i was there we were six plus the head of story so seven. Oh, very cool very interesting uh yeah what was the production that you went to after arcane wrap, uh, wrapped up for you it was glitch text oh uh, glitch text yeah, very yeah. cool yeah i think oh, okay. uh, I, I wrapped up I wrapped up Arcane in uh, the end of January 2018, I think, something like that, around those months. And mm -hmm. a month and a half later, I started on Glitch Text. I think I was very tired of doing a storyboard for a while. And there was this animation gig that was opening up. And I, I thought, yeah, let's try animation. 
to see if I can still do it as well. I think that's actually, re- that's like so smart that, you know, when you've been doing a thing for a long time, because that's kind of what I run into, and this is going to tie into our creative block question really well. But like, I've been, I've been doing boards for 10 years. And after a while, you know, you, you do know how to storyboards. Like, okay, you might not be having all the best ideas and know all the best shots, but there's a part of you that knows the craft really well. And it is nice to have a little refresher by like still working in the industry, but like trying a different craft. So I think that's, that's such a great thing that you are able to do going between storyboards into animation for a short while. Do you feel like that helped you kind of get over the burnout a little bit of like yeah, boards in general? Definitely. Yeah. And um, one thing I've noticed is that maybe it's just a coincidence and that that's that's not i don't want to generalize but uh one thing i noticed is that story artists at least in france tend to be more secretive about their work like they work on their on this on their own and they don't really share what they do with the other people of the team uh there's a lot of competition i feel and yeah and when I went doing animation, it was much more almost sibling-like in the relationship with other animators. It's more like, oh, what did you do? Oh, you did this. Look, it moves. Oh, it's terrible. Or, oh, it's good. And they're helping each other. And it's there's mm. not this kind of fear of displaying what you did. And this maybe because, well, storyboard is more personal, maybe. So you feel more exposed when you show and you share what you did. And in animation, even if someone says, oh, you should, you could fix this or that, it's, it's about technicality. You don't take it personally. But I agree. But, but I, I, I noticed that whenever I worked in animation, the ambience in the room was friendlier. Not that story artists are not friendly, but they're more under pressure. Feel like I think that's I think that's really what it is yeah like like board artists have a lot of work to do yeah. it, it, it crunch time is real and it is like you you get burnt out pretty fast and I also believe that it's very solitary uh you're you're very much on your own when you work on boards like you know uh because you have like the it's kind of like making comics but you have a script instead of yeah <laughs> you know instead of like drawing your comic basically but but yeah. but so animation was kind of a a good a good refresher for my mind to just mm. feel less pressure than just okay you do what you do and uh, I don't want to sound like I'm minimizing what animators do because that's clearly not what I want to say it's just that I felt the mood was very different. So my, my love always goes to storyboards, but it's nice to be able to switch and clear your mind from... And I think uh, if I could do background, maybe I would do this as well. I can't for the life of me. I hate perspective. But, <laughs> but clearly, uh, uh, I had a, another story artist friend who told me, and I think that's a good summary of the situation. It's like, when I feel I I do storyboard for a while, and when I feel like I I uh, hit the how how do you say that in English? When I when I hit my limit, or when I feel like mm-hmm. what I'm drawing is shit, basically, 
I go to mm-hmm. when I go do animation. He does this with 3D animations because it it comes from 3D animation. But and so when he hits the the roof of his his limit in storyboard, it goes back to animation and it does 3D animation until it hits the roof of his limit and mm-hmm. it goes back and forth like this. And and he told me that's how I keep myself sane. sane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a great segue into creative block. Uh-huh. <laughs> Would you say what cre- what does creative block sound feel like for you, and how do you get over it? Like, if if I do somehow get over it, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, for me, a creative block is a mix of self doubt and uh, a lack of stimulation mm-hmm. um, it's like right now I'm very very motivated to do drawing for myself but sometimes not at all so I figured out that when I cannot draw for myself because I'm too tired or I just don't feel like it's working I try to do other craft and uh, what I did for a while uh, when I was struggling with unemployment as well uh, I, I I thought okay I don't want to draw because it reminds me of work and it puts I put myself under a lot of pressure doing so so I started learning how to sew and I started doing oh, cosplay yeah. and it was there was no goal at all. It's just, okay, I like this costume, so I'm going to do this costume and I, I'm going to have an outfit that I can just wear like this. And Did you use any of the knowledge that you got from your mana from like before? Because <laughs> you studied fashion for a little bit. Yeah, but I didn't study sewing. They never taught us how to sew or how to do a pattern or stuff like that. It was just artistry so i'd love to say yeah i use this but no actually (laughs) i i learned from with my grandma i learned with my grandma everything oh that's so sweet that's such a great way for you also to just kind of like have ties with family oh that's so great i love that yeah i i i went i remember one time so i wasn't employed and i said okay i'm coming for a week and we're gonna you're gonna show me how you do things and she she Mm -hmm. taught me so much so I, I I owe her everything I know about sewing and crafting with fabric. So I, I did this oh, with cosplay. Great. I did this this with bakery. Uh, actually, that was one of the questions that the the jury asked me at Gobelin for the for the oral test. The, the so, yeah, so like the interview. Yeah, the interview. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah not <laughs> oral. My God. It's okay, don't worry. I used to do this all the time as well. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we could keep it in so people know that. I didn't mean anything at the time. I just, it's just I'm how sorry. we say it in French. <laughs> um, during the interview on my resume, there was in interpersonal interest. There was bakery and baking. And they said, oh, why? And I, I didn't know what to answer. It just came out of me like, well, bake, baking is a way of creating stuff and it satisfies everyone that's the best way of doing things and and i still think that it's just okay you you don't want to draw and so when i i think when i 
I'm I'm quite a lazy person, I think. So when I have created mm -hmm. a blog, I don't feel like, you know, exercise or do stuff like this. I, I don't want to move because <laughs> if if I'm hitting creative blog, it's that I'm already kind of depressed. And I, I don't want to. Yeah. I'm way past the uh, physical activity. So I, I want to keep my mind busy and get baking, sewing, or... Not, not nothing that deals with storytelling directly, but still mm. starting from scratch and ending up with something. It's always satisfying to me, as mm -hmm. at least. And and when it hits very hard, well, I just try to go somewhere I don't know to stimulate my mind. I mean, when I said mm -hmm. I went to Japan, that's what I did because it was a hard time in my for for my mental health, and mm. and I just felt like fleeing somehow. I just didn't want to stay stuck in Paris and like, okay, I have to find a job. I have to do this and this and this is bad. So mm. I I just saw there there was good prices to go to Japan, and I just left and gathered all the infos I could see and just everything visually, culturally, and food-wise, people-wise, I just changed my mind literally. And I know it's it's kind of privileged to say, it. I don't say go to Japan to deal with creative <laughs> blog. I mean, that's, that's, that's <laughs> you can yeah definitely no but it's like you can go to your place to reset your yeah. mind you don't have to go across the globe it, but just no, somewhere no. that you're not all you're where you're not all the time because I think that's definitely like it's very easy when you you know you're doing something and I don't mean I know I noticed that for myself as well it's like you know you work 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 you're always sitting on the same chair and sometimes just going in another part of town mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just exactly. hanging out in like in a different coffee shop hanging out in a in a different library that you're not used to going that could just mm. kind of help you reset your your brain yeah yeah I, I, took, that's great. I, I took an extreme example but yeah just <laughs> you you just go go somewhere you don't know and you you look you look around you you take a, even just yeah take a book or just settle somewhere and somewhere clear where you never took your troubles before so you don't have you know you're not like oh yeah I came here before and I did this and that and so you think about troubles it's no go where you don't know and mm create a new space for you and for your mind mm, exactly I love that create a new a new place for you and for your mind that's very poetic and it's also very true um well you know I think that's the end of this creative block um Alice thanks for being our guest and sharing your story but thanks um, for thanks for having me it was a delight <laughs> and sorry for my accent no I think that was great like honestly um this accent is very understandable <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to our listeners follow us on twitter uh it's at creative block creative without the vowels where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests huge thanks to our editor Clemens for editing the podcast and Malik for helping us produce the show uh, if you love our show, then be support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, V. 
um, keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye.